Jewish women are the strongest force on earth. We take care of our families, our communities, and carry the sacred responsibility of ensuring that our traditions are carried on to the next generation. This is A Deeper Conversation, a podcast for Jewish women. We explore ways to strengthen ourselves and our connection with God and the Torah. My name is Yocheved Davidowitz. I am a wife, a mother, a teacher, a writer, a therapist, and most importantly, a Jewish woman. Welcome. Hey everybody, this is Yochaved. Welcome and thank you so much for listening to this episode. This was such a fun conversation and such an incredibly inspiring one for me. You're about to hear a conversation that I had with Mrs. Judy Silverman and Mrs. Mimi Samuels, two of the three founders of Anila Dodi Helpline, which is a helpline dedicated to helping, an anonymous helpline, I should say, dedicated to intimacy issues for from women. And I was really nervous about this one going in because I thought, okay, like, I really think this is so important. I really want to talk about this. But how are we going to talk about it in a sneeze way, in a way that is also very frank and that, you know, deals with the issues that are going on? And I I have to say, I do think we pulled it off. So you'll let me know what you think. I'd love to hear from you. But it was really inspiring. I'm, Judy Silverman and Mimi Samuels, along with Esther Friedman, started this hotline. And these are examples of women who really, you know, they recognize a problem. And instead of just sitting around and talking about it and, and you know, just complaining about how bad things are or what the need is, they actually went ahead and did something real that's actually changing the lives of Jewish women all over the world. So I am so excited for this episode. Before we get into that, I want to thank my sponsor for this episode, a dear friend who sponsored this episode, Le'iloi Nishmas, her parents, Avram Benzev and Devorah Rivka Basitzchak, two people that I had this chus to know, and just incredible people. There's just something about that previous generation, you know, like, I don't know if it's that they don't make them the way they used to, or maybe it's there's a certain European quality to the generation that came over from Europe and they had this like rock solid bitachon that seemed unshakable and just seemed so authentic and real. And I'm so grateful for the sponsorship, but also grateful to be able hopefully to elevate their neshamos in this way. Um, If you are interested in sponsoring an episode, please email me at a deeper conversation, one, two, zero at gmail.com. Also, this place to go for questions, comments, feedback. I'd love to hear from you. Again, it's a deeper conversation, 120 at gmail.com. Also, follow me on Instagram at a deeper conversation. If you're interested in becoming a monthly sponsor, you can go to maverickpodcasting.com, click on my page, a deeper conversation. You'll see there's a little like heart button with a like a little money symbol and you just click down onto my name. Even $5 a month really helps to keep the podcast going. Anyways, without further ado, let's get into this episode. Judy, Mimi, welcome to the podcast. Yo, Chebet, thank you so much for having us. We are so excited to be here. Our very first podcast. Thank you for giving us the opportunity and what better um, opportunity than to be speaking with you. Thank you. Thank you so much for having us. Okay, well, I am so excited to get into all the things that we're going to talk about. But beforehand, let's just introduce introduce yourselves to my audience. So maybe, Judy, you start first, and then Mimi, just a little bit of your background, where you're from. Tell us a little bit about yourselves. Okay, I am Judy Silverman, and I hail from Baltimore, otherwise known as a Baltimorean. Mm-hmm. I don't take it personally from Baltimore. Um, I grew up there and um, 
uh, finished college uh, there. No, no, I finished college in Fon Bon University in St. Louis, Missouri, where I lived for a short while, and then moved on to um, Brooklyn College and got my degree in speech therapy, which led me right to Anila Dodi. No, but that's <laughs> that, that's where that's my educational background, uh, Mimi. Well, I am not as exciting. I grew up in Muncie, New York, um, and I am a college teacher for over 20 years, and I've worked for uh, Shalom Task Force in the education department, and I am now a student midwife. So, oh, wow. um, yes, it's a trajectory, and, um, you know, women's issues, women's health, uh, mentally and physically, and um, the two of us started this organization. That's a story in itself. Well, I definitely um, want to get well, into that story, but I, I don't know if I asked you this before, but how did you two meet? Well, let, let me take this one. Okay. <laughs> we, we certainly belong to, we both live in Lawrence, okay. right? So we're in the same city. Um, we actually um, probably met through a mutual friend who we have in Israel, Timmy Lift. Mimi lived in Israel for a while. She forgot to say that, but that, that was post-education. Mm-hmm. And, um, and then she, I somehow we met that way. But then we were both in our involvement in Shalom Task Force. We got to know each other better. So you were both involved in Shalom Task Force. And now, of course, we're going to talk about Anila Dodi. But maybe, like, let's go back to... Shalom Task Force a little bit, because I remember when it first came out, I was very young. Uh, how long ago did Shalom Task Force start? Do you know? I, um, I'm involved in Shalom Task Force now for 29 years, and it started about five years before that. So that's like 34, 35, 35 years. Yeah. Right. So it's a long time. It's a long time. Right. I remember when I first got married, it was just sort of gaining a little bit more traction. Um, I'm married now 28 years. So that was just like in the very beginning. Um, I remember um, that. Rabbi Tursky wrote a book called The Shame Born in Silence, um, which also was groundbreaking. And at the time, it's obviously for my audience, I'm sure everybody knows what Shalom Task Force is, but I'll just say it's an anonymous helpline for um, domestic abuse. It was very groundbreaking in the from community. People didn't either know that it was an issue or wanted to admit that it was an issue. Like, what was that like putting that out there in the community? Did you get pushback? What was the what was it like then? By the time we entered the organization, it was already well established, and it was and, and people recognized that this was something that needed to be spoken about. Um, the organization was started, as you probably know, by Nahama Wolfson, mm-hmm. who went to many, many Gedolim at the time, Ralph Palm being amongst them, and just to get Heterim to be able to talk about any social ills. Uh, in the from world in public was quite groundbreaking, as you say. And we came um, like five, six years later when when it, it was, you know, already we were not the first cohort to be trained. Um, so it really had already had a name for itself. Um, and just to let you know, Shalom Task Force now does so much more than the hotline. We um, work on, um, Mimi and I are involved in marriage workshops. We've traveled the country. We call it the Mimi and Judy Road Show, in case you need our support. Um, and was that when we were ready, Mahatanen? No, no, that was oh, before. Free Mahatanen. And, um, and then another thing we're very involved in is we go into many of the 12th grades across the New York, New Jersey, Maryland, Florida, and now 
people have been trained across the country to give a, a workshop um, on dating, uh, red flags and dating relationships, which is so important. And, and Baruch Hashem, it's become more prolific that, that it's going across the country. We can't get everywhere. I'm usually the one who does most of the traveling. Um, but um, now people have been trained in many of those cities to give these workshops. And especially now, when it's not unusual to hear about a marriage that ends in under six months, mm-hmm. it is very, very disconcerting. Yeah. And there could be numerous reasons that I don't even think it pays for us to guess because it would be merely guessing. But if every, if every girl would know what do I need to feel like, what are the uh, opposite of red flags? What do I need to feel like in dating a boy that this is right? And, and that message is so potent and so important. And I think every senior in every city across the world needs to hear it. Mm-hmm. Well, well, let me ask you, since you brought it up, or one of you could tell, what, is, what does a girl need to hear? What does she need to feel when she's dating? What is, what is she looking for? I will tell you, and then Mindy will add on. Mm-hmm. First of all, she has to know that um, she is respected, that there's respect in the relationship. They both have to trust one another. They can say, and only to themselves, not to um, anybody else, but do trusting their gut to know this feels right. And she should be, and he should be mature enough that they know this feels right. Not somebody's telling me, great family, go for it, go for it, go for it. No, but they're trusting their own instincts, be it for good, be it as red flags, or simply, I know, I feel that this is right. Um, being able to have a voice in the relationship, to be able to comfortably share ideas that might be very different than the person that they're about to get engaged to and get married to. Um, and just feeling a general positivity about the relationship. And key is not walking on eggshells, but feeling relaxed. And in, in this particular, with these issues, safe. Mm-hmm. She can tell herself, and most importantly herself, I feel relaxed. I feel my, my I feel safe. And I feel I can be myself. And if I need to take space for myself, I am not uncomfortable saying so. And what I'm asking is respected and heard. And it goes on both sides. If a girl can tell herself these things, if a boy can tell himself these things, then we have a very, uh, you know, a good assurance that they have the key ingredients that relationship needs to continue. Mm -hmm. And of course, conflict resolution. What does it look like? Right. Have they dated long enough to actually have a conflict besides, okay, which milkshakes or fleischicks, which works for you tonight? <laughs> but we all, you know, um, in the olden days, men, we used to say, um, throw some hot chocolate on him when he comes into the house. But uh, mm-hmm. we have behaved ourselves since then. Mimi, I'm talking to them. Mimi, anything to add? I, you I got- like it. I wouldn't mind talking more about... Um, yeah, well, we'll get into that. Definitely. Um, I got sidetracked with Shalom Task Force because I actually took one of these courses. Again, I married 20 years when I was first, not first newly married. So maybe, I guess maybe 24 years ago, I was a college teacher and Shalom Task Force offered a, a workshop for college teachers on red flags, kind of like you mentioned, um, given by our mutual friend Toby, actually, um, many, many years ago. 
which I took and was really groundbreaking. Um, and I shortly thereafter actually did have a Kala that had some of these red flags of he was, you know, the, separating her from her friends and like engaging in some of these behaviors that I learned about in this task force. But I guess before we move on to um, Anila Dodi, which I really want to talk about, um, maybe I would ask you, Mimi, if there's anything that maybe you would advise parents of dating couples to be aware of or on guard for when they see their children you know, embarking on this really important relationship at the age of, I don't know, 19 or 20? So I, I believe that people shouldn't be so concerned with, quote unquote, the shit of crisis and push their children into um, marriage before they're ready. Mm-hmm. And I, I believe that when there are issues, they shouldn't be thrown under the rug. They should be dealt with. A lot of times I hear, oh, you know, a buffer doesn't know how to talk about these things. Um, so don't don't put him in a position where he has to deal with these things. And and I feel if they're old enough to get married, they're old enough to deal with these things. So uh, situations should not be thrown under the rug. They should be discussed. Um, and parents should um, give their children trust that they're able to handle it. And if they can't, then they shouldn't be in Shadokim at this point. Right, that's so important. Where we do get nervous about the shidduch crisis, and our kids are very young I, I sometimes. Believe, I don't believe that there's a shidduch crisis. I believe there's an amuna crisis. Really? Explain. I, I really do. do. Um, because I think that Hashem is taking care of these things. I don't think that a nervous mother who's going to push her child into shidduchim is doing her child a service. Um, I think that if they would. Um, show their child that they believe that Hashem is in charge and when the right time and the right person comes along, everything will work out. I think that's giving their child better tools than to show them that they're nervous and they have to go out and they have to look a certain way and be a certain way and get a certain type of shit up. That's just my feeling. I love that. And I am, I feel like if I wanted to talk about this for the next hour, I could, because it's just so profound what you said, but (laughs) let's move on a little bit because now you both with, um, with Esther Friedman, of course, started a new helpline. Um, actually, you know what? I have to ask you one more question. Okay. We're going to get to it, but I have one more question just about the domestic abuse, because one of the things that I'm curious about, um, because I remember, like I said, I went to this workshop, um, and I was a college teacher. Now I'm a therapist and I see a lot of women and I guess, that initial pushback that you had that this doesn't happen in our community, what I see just from myself, from my practice, is not a whole lot of physical abuse. I only had it one time where there was like a little bit of physical abuse. What I see happens more that people need to be aware of or know about or they reach out for is like emotional abuse, verbal abuse, gaslighting, neglect, that kind of thing. Would you say that that's an accurate representation of what goes on? Yes. Yeah, I would say a good 80% of, of the things that coming to some task force or things like that, very much. And, and, and how that's so much physical abuse, you know, you see, it's, it's very clear. But the, the concept of verbal abuse, it, it just takes a long time before you say, no, wait a minute, there's something going on here. Right. Um, I'm seeing a pattern. Um, this, is not, this is not right. On the other hand, I do believe that there are some people who are using this word abuse a little too loosely. Yes. Uh, you know, that's, that should be our biggest problem. But, we, you know, we have to be careful. Yeah. But it is some hard to define abuse when it is emotional and it's pervasive and it's verbal. 
Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Sometimes, yes. Sometimes emotional abuse could be so much worse than physical abuse. Right. In the same way that we would say about a parent that like neglect is much worse to grow up with a parent who's neglectful is much worse than to grow up with a parent even who's physically violent because that neglect is just that emotional abuse is really just so traumatic. So, yeah, I guess that could definitely be true. OK, so fast forward. How did you come to start Anilu Dodi? Okay, so we're, we're, we think it was about 10 years ago, I think more, but let's say about 10 years ago, um, we were asked by someone, a rub in our community, um, that um, in my capacity as head of a local uh, mikvah and Mimi's capacity as a college teacher, that we really need to start a hotline for intimacy mm-hmm. because people have questions and they need to have a place to ask their questions comfortably. And so at the time, we trained only local college teachers and only college teachers in the, our immediate area. And um, our, the training was just about uh, maybe four, uh, five hours in total. And um, we were ready to start. And then someone uh, erroneously said to us, there exists already a hot, there's such a hotline somehow based in Israel, but, but also uh, um, available in America. And so we stopped. Um, and then years went by and, um, as I might've mentioned to you earlier, um, Lizzie Rubin is a, a well-known sex therapist in Harnof, mm-hmm. And she told me that she's going to be on this podcast, um, uh, with the Eden center. And I watched it and I, I told Mimi about it. And I, I just watching people talk very openly about issues of dysfunction um, and, and, and poor intimacy very, very openly. I said, wow, we don't have anything like that in America. And, um, and then we called um, Rabbanim and um, we called Kala teachers um, and other very um, well-known people in the community. All of them unanimously said this is something that is so necessary. And I was particularly moved by the response by a Hasidic rub who just said, who was just so open about it, you know, no pushback, just very open about it. And he said, absolutely. My, I, I'm inundated. I need someone to help alleviate the, you know, the, uh, this, this whole burden. Someone else has to take this over and you, and being familiar with hotlines and how they work and the power of active listening, mm-hmm. um, um, helped us create this, um, this hotline and not, and as you probably have heard, you'll have it, um, it was six months of training, um, for six and a half months, I think of two and a half hours every week, mm-hmm. much more extensive than we even dreamed about before. And, and we, and we chose at the time about 26 women who came by personal referral mm-hmm. and, um, they were not only college teachers amongst the original, um, our advocates is our Rebitons. And also um, therapists, and also sometimes people who are none of those, but just have the ability to really hear. And that's what our helpline is. It's a referral helpline. We, we are there primarily to listen and hear, which is 80% of the problem, to be able to give voice to these concerns, and then to refer if necessary. Do you think... Um well, I want to ask you about the pushback because it doesn't sound like you got that much, but do you think that for 
women who call it, a lot of it is just that they just need somebody to listen to. And do women call and then not necessarily get referred or it's just like, it's just a validation thing. Because I think also, you know, something that I used to say to my colleagues back in the day when I talked, when I was giving college classes, and I guess I'll say this to some of my clients now, is that we really have this beautiful aspect of tinnitus that we grow up with. And so what happens is, is that we are taught um, certainly in seminary and then with our college classes that, you know, marriage is a very, very private thing. And so because of that, hopefully most people are not talking about their personal intimate experience with their friends. And so then when something happens, they just think like, I'm not normal. This is only me because they're not we're not talking about such things, right? So I, I'm wondering if like the value is in just somebody being able to normalize what they're going through. This is normal. Is that often enough? What do you think, Mimi? So we're very aware that the person that calls our helpline is reaching out probably for the first time. And that conversation is the benchmark of what they think getting help feels like. So we are very, very careful to not only normalize, but just be warm and caring and open and give information and make the woman feel as comfortable as possible, as if they're talking to, to a favorite aunt, as if they're talking to a good friend. And the anonymity of it makes it easier for them to talk about things that are so personal. And when they know that they can call someone and feel safe and feel um, that, that somebody is listening to them and somebody is telling them this is not so uncommon and there is help out there, the women walk away from that. Every phone call, I, I would say most of our phone calls end on a high. And that's, that's one of the most beautiful um, things that every one of our advocates feels from working on this helpline that it's just, it's a wonderful feeling to be there for someone and to come away knowing that we made a difference in her life, that now she feels empowered to get the help she needs, whether it's with her a therapist, whether it's self-taught by reading a book, by, by taking a course, but just giving her the encouragement to know that, that her marriage is worth working for and, and making the effort to, to make changes. That's really amazing. It's, it's interesting because this is such an incredible thing and people need to know, women need to know. I'm assuming most of the calls are, are from women, correct? Only yeah. women. Only, we're only allowed to speak to women right now. Okay. We actually had a couple of calls from men and we had to be... Um, <laughs> Hopefully it wasn't a crank call and, and try to just, you know, let them know nicely that this is really for women. Um, somebody has spoken to us about doing the same thing for men, and we hope that somebody does. But right now, this is just for women. Right. It's interesting because in a way, like I could see this being just as if not more necessary for men because women are naturally verbal and we do reach out and we do speak to each other. And for men, it's just like sometimes it can really feel intimidating to even have a conversation. Whereas if women, I think, are pointed in the right direction and said, here, this is this organization. It's anonymous. There's somebody to talk to. They'll be much more likely to, you know, I don't know. I feel like maybe for men, it would be just, there needs to be would something. Would a man call? 
would a man call? I don't know. What do you think? I was going to say that most men will not, but sometimes um, we give out books. There are some amazing books that are written not only in English, but in Hebrew and in Yiddish. And sometimes a book just giving the hashkafa of intimacy that a, a man and a woman could learn together or a woman could hand to her, you know, put it on her husband's night table. Um, that could be sufficient. Mm-hmm. Not many men want to reach out right, for and, help like that. Right. And not, right. I don't know if men would call, but meanwhile, this is for women. And one of the things that obviously, even as I was preparing for this podcast, like I want to be as, frank as possible, but we're obviously talking about things that until now have remained very private. Like these are issues of tzniyas that come up and I'm even thinking about like, what do we talk about? What do we not talk about? It's a podcast. It's a public forum. Um, How have you managed to navigate this issue of tzniyas? You want people to know about the helpline. You want to be able to be frank and open with people, but at the same time, you know, tzniyas. We have very high standards. Okay. And every single thing that we have done so far, we have done with Haskama from Rav Noach Isaac Olbaum, from Rabbi Herschel Shafter, and other Rabbanim that we have dealt with. And every single step of the way, we have made sure that everything we say, everybody that represents us, um, it is all with Haskama. So our goal is to make sure that there won't be an issue with SNES. We, we will not have um, something representing us that anybody could say, this is not SNEASTIC. Mm-hmm. Obviously, intimacy is in the Torah. And if we're going to present it through Anila Dodi, it will be done in a way that could be, you know, um, light, could be frank, but it will always be 100% above board, Sanua and with Chain and with um, we're not having somebody that is going to um, ever be said that it, it wasn't done in, in a Tanoa way. And, and and just to add to that, Lee Einhardt has been so lucky that we have, because we have Rabbi Olbaum and Rabbi Schefter behind us, and because we've always asked, we've never had a problem anywhere where someone said, this work, we have to take care, you know, shut down this organization, which could easily, easily have happened. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll give you an example of something, and, and, and to um, um, particularly Rabbi Olbaum's credit, he looks at every flyer that goes out. He looks at every post, he doesn't look at Instagram, but we talk about anything we post in Instagram, which is really not that much. Mm-hmm. Um, so much so that for a short while, our ad read um, adults and teens of all ages. Because it came to our attention through one or two therapists that teens need a place to ask their questions, especially, you know, regarding their sexuality, just things that just they're too embarrassed to ask anyone around them. And, and they just don't have a place. Right. You would hope it's their parents, but for, that doesn't work for everybody. It should, but mm-hmm. it doesn't. And so he saw the word, he, he looked back carefully, saw the word teens and said, yes, there probably is a problem that just needs to be addressed, but that's not your job right now. Mm-hmm. Right now, 
dealing with adults. So that sensitivity and really giving it the attention that deserves, we value with input and we feel strongly that we're doing the right thing because we have that kind, that type of Hashtama behind us. So to that end, that's very interesting because I think one of the big problems that we have, and I mean, maybe I'll ask you like some of the things that you see or what are some of the specific issues that people are struggling with marriage um, wise, but how, is there something that you may be either through the organization or just personally in your own experience, like going from Shalom Task Force, now working with Anila Dodi, where do you think we could educate, like, is there an education piece here for parents, how parents talk to their kids? Most parents really don't have the tools to be able to talk to their kids about a lot of sensitive issues. That's one of the podcasts that we would like to, not podcast, that's one of the webinars, that this topic that we would like to cover. Okay. We have a list of, of current topics and, and we're getting to it. <laughs> we just need to give, you know, a, enough, uh, um, um, attention to get the helpline off and running and make sure that that's really going smoothly before we start reaching out. But we have, we have a list of topics to discuss and that's definitely a priority. Yeah. It's on your radar. For sure. It's on radar. And I just want to just, I forgot to say, which is so important. What's our mission? Why did we start Anilu Dodi? And really the answer is to strengthen marriages. Because, you know, we hear divorce this, divorce that. We are here to strengthen marriages. And when you get off a phone call and you feel that you've done just that, even not knowing if the person's going to follow up on your referral, but hearing the lightness in their voice as compared to the beginning of the call to the end, you know, as Mimi said, that you're doing something right towards that end, towards our mission. Did you get any pushback when you started or from anybody who's seen it at all? No, no, not really. Not really. We just, we, we, just, we really received a lot of, um, how do you say, encouragement, uh, encouragement and, yeah. and confirmation that this is great, that we need this. We need this, yeah. um, Especially once they knew, and that was probably one of the first steps we took in terms of Huskamas. That was probably the first thing we did. Mm-hmm. So, you know, once we have that, then we know we have Torah backing and we are okay. And, 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 and with Deshmaya, we, we have not had a lot of pushback. Yeah, that's amazing. Um, you had mentioned earlier about regarding Tania. So one of our biggest um, issues was um, first we opened, we thought, okay, we're going to put cards and mikvahs across the country. A woman will see that and discreetly copy down the number, and that's how we're going to get referrals. Well, that ended up to be about 2% of our referrals. Mm-hmm. And we really wanted to advertise more, but where? You know, where are you going to put it where everybody sees it? Mishpacha is never going to allow something that has the title intimacy in it, and rightfully so. And so some very smart person, probably wasn't me, um, said, <laughs> um, said, gave the wording, referral. which was, um, what, what um, referral. that referral, how, and, and instead of using the word um, intimacy, addressing personal marital issues with utmost discretion. Nice. Somebody's a wordsmith. Yeah. <laughs> right. Isn't that amazing? And then once we knew we could do that, that changed the number of calls we got. The phone started ringing off the hook. 
And also recently, uh, I will add just now if I can, there was this um, intimacy, intimacy summit put out by the Hasidish world, mm-hmm. um, the, marriage. the marriage summit, where she had people speaking consecutively, a number, two wonderful speakers. Um, and since then, she has clearly started some kind of revolution in the Hasidic community. And our calls are just, we're just inundated, That's... inundated because they want to make their marriages better. Right. And most people they do. Learn. Hopefully. They, want to learn. They, they have so much to learn. It's, um, I think it's a beautiful thing that even though they're married for a while, they realize that there's something better out there and they're reaching out. Yeah, maybe, Mimi, maybe you could answer this question as a college teacher. Like, is there something that's going wrong in the way that we're educating? We've talked a little bit just about maybe parents not having the tools, but the way that we're sort of doing classic college, you know, college classes or, or we're educating our, our kids for marriage? A hundred percent, yes. I, I think that um, obviously people are learning halachos when they go for college classes, but they are not learning enough about intimacy, about pleasure, about the hashkafa behind intimacy so that they could feel comfortable knowing that everything that they do to have pleasure in their marriage is elevating the kedusha in their marriage. And perhaps that message is just not getting across. They know what goes where, but they don't understand their bodies and they don't understand the importance of, of the intimate relationship between a husband and wife. Well, wow, it's such an incredible zechus, and um, I'm, you know, I'm sure it's an intimacy hotline. But you probably field a lot of. Do Do you field a lot of just? Is it only intimacy, or do you find find that people are calling like they're just struggling in their marriage? It's a helpline, so they call, and then you could direct them to whatever a marriage therapist or whatever it is. Communication is probably one of the biggest things. Mm. Yeah. So sometimes, you know, if communication were better, perhaps intimacy issues would not be as great. Um, but if people are afraid, don't know how to communicate when things are not working for them, that's very, that's a big part of it, a big piece. I would say a good 70, 65% of our calls are related to issues of communication breakdown in marriage, for sure. Um, There's also a lot about pain. Mm-hmm. Years. I don't think that that Kala teachers are uh, giving the message clearly enough that um, intimacy should not cause pain, not emotionally and not physically. Mm-hmm. And, and I, I give um, uh, the advice to anyone that's listening to this uh, podcast and is feeling pain, they should get help immediately. Nobody should... Um, live through their marriage being in pain. That's, there it's, there is such an important message that I, again, like it's amazing that people just don't hear it. And it's so incredible that you've created this like opportunity for people to get this message. And even maybe just listening to this, like maybe you don't have to call any, any little deal, just reach out, like hearing somebody say, hearing you say this on this podcast is so important. I think, um, it's so interesting because when we speak to older women, mm-hmm. they don't know that much about the new um, pelvic floor therapy that is out there that is available. And it can help women all stages of life. 
mm-hmm. whether they are going through um, physical issues, um, you know, even, you know, sometimes people um, will have pain because of um, anxiety. There are so, there's so much help that's out there. And they may think that they're aware of everything, but there's new things that come out. And that's what we're there for. We can give referrals for um, pelvic floor therapists, for halacha hotlines. We've had women that call and say, I'm not going to a rabbi with this. There are ways to do this anonymously. Maybe they're not aware of it, but there are, there are, there's a halacha hotline in Lakewood. There's one in um, Chicago. There's one in the five towns. People aren't aware of it and we, we can give them that information. Right. Just giving people the resources is just such a powerful thing to do. Um, We're going to wrap up soon, but um, maybe we do. Can I just add one thing? I'm sorry. We don't have to Um, wrap up now. We could keep talking. I'm I'm happy to do that. (laughs) In response to what Mimi said, um, I don't know if we talked about our newest project. And that is a place for um, any mother of a dating child to be able to call us and ask for a good college teacher from anywhere in the country who was properly trained in intimacy, who really will give a full education, oh, wow. who will continue to have a relationship with their kala for years to come. And, um, and that's something, if that were actually done, I'm not blaming college teachers are the problems that come our way are multifaceted. But if, if intimacy would be addressed completely, then some of our calls would not be necessary. And so um, soon to come will be the ability for any mother to call and say, I need a college teacher who is such and such. And we can say with full assurance that this, this college teacher has been interviewed by us, has promises, promised to do continuing education yearly and will be top-notch rather than just depending on whoever your your daughter's friend might have used and just, you know, potluck. Right. Wow, that's incredible. That's amazing. What an amazing service to be able to offer. Well, I guess let me just, I I do want to ask you both just a personal question because everything that you've told me is so incredible. You're passionate about this. You said we want to help, we want to help marriages at the end of the day. Can you just maybe each of you tell me personally, like how is it that you... I don't know, like had the drive, like where did that urge to like be involved in working the Tzibur, where did it come from? Um, I come from a wonderful home and, um, and, and I, I saw my mother uh, certainly about, she was, um, my mother had a PhD in child psychology and worked with abu- um, uh, victims of sexual abuse, which was something very unheard of then. But um, I just think that um, I started out like in PTA kind of things, you know, that like, you mm-hmm. know, so that's how you start out slowly. And, um, and then um, ultimately um, I became involved in mikvah. And for me, that was a natural progression. And when some, when, when a rub says to me, can you start this? I'm so excited that they turned to me to actually do something constructive. So of course I say yes. And I, I think Mimi and I, and she'll speak for herself, obviously, but welcome to Ain Ish, that's where we come. So Mimi, how did you get to be like that? I don't know. It's a good question. I, I think it might just be genetic. Um, I, I guess I was always the type of person that I, um, I, I'm a doer. When I see something that has to be done, I don't think about it. I just do it. There are some people that sit and make hashbonos, and I just do it. 
Um, my husband always says that I don't know how to say no, and he wishes that <laughs> I will learn. Um, but I, I have to say, um, when I think about it, um, my grandfather's yard site was um, last week. My my maternal grandfather, um, Moshe David David, um, lived in Borough Park, and he was the type of person that never drove down the street without picking up passengers. He, he just did for other people. So it, it, it must be programmed somehow. <laughs> and, you know, I think like it's a progression that I started off as a college teacher and then Shalom Task Force and now midwifery. It's just, um, I, I feel very passionate that, that women should be, empowered to be the best and the healthiest emotionally and physically that they can be. Wow. That's amazing. Well, I am not a doer. I like to talk to people who do things. So. That's doing. That <laughs> is doing. Right. Not sitting around. Right. So I could talk to you and hopefully you can inspire my audience. Also, whatever your talents are to just, like you said, walk down, you know, drive down the street and see if there's a passenger that you could pick up along the way and help them out. That's really beautiful. Okay. So the last question that I ask everybody, so maybe we'll go Mimi and then Judy answer this question. And that is, if there's one message that you could give Jewish women from your life experience, what would it be? So my message is to be a lifelong learner. It's never as long as you're alive, you can make changes. As long as you're alive, you could accomplish. And I, I tell my colleagues this all the time. When you're in school and you're learning, you're doing it because you're forced to. Once you're out of school, it's yours and you own it. And, and you can learn whatever you want, whatever speaks to you, whatever resonates with you. Just learn. Keep learning. And um, another thing I, I'd like to say is that marriage takes work, but it's beautiful work. It's a wonderful work. And every day that you're married, you should be thinking, what can I do to make my marriage better? That's so important and such an important message, I think, for people to hear, because I think when people see marriages that they perceive as being wonderful, it looks anything that's just really, really beautiful usually looks effortless. Like that's what we're always going for, right? Like an artist, we want it to look effortless, you know, and, and the truth is, is that making it look effortless is sometimes the hardest work of all. That means that you really put a lot of work and thought into it. And a marriage that looks so easy and effortless and they're so comfortable and they're so wonderful, there's usually a lot of work behind that and you just don't see it. Like they just somehow found the right person and you didn't find the right person or something like that. So I love that. hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah, 100%. It takes work, but it's it's satisfying and it's it's, it's just worth it. so gratifying. Yes. Yeah. Okay, Judy, go off over to you. What do you think? Um, I say uh, what I feel is and many that was just great. Uh, it's hard to follow that <laughs> act, but I will try. Um, reaching out for help. No matter who that might be. Whether that's your family, your parents, somebody, if you're, if there's it's a question and you see you're struggling, always reach out for help. There's no downside to that. Um, and um, also um, want to talk something I feel also very important that we keep seeing this over and over again in the people that call 
communication, learning how to communicate what's on your mind in a way that your spouse will listen. Yes. And that will go a long way. Yeah. And um, we, there's many people who can teach that, and we talk about that all the time on the calls, but that is such an important ingredient. It's so true. And I was thinking about that. I read, um, you know, in the Mishpacha magazine, they always have this one section, like the my take where it's like some kind of a conflict. And then there's one side and the other side. And almost invariably every single week when you read it, you're like, you know, if they would have just communicated, this wouldn't have been a problem, you know, and it's, it's an incredible thing that so many problems can be avoided by communication and communication isn't something that people always naturally know how to do. And it is something that they can learn how to do. So being able to realize that this is a skill that can be learned is just, I think, such an important piece. And I, I, that, that's really important. Yeah, totally. Okay. Well, I want to thank you both so much. And um, if people want to call the helpline, it's aniladodihelpline.org, correct? Is the website. Correct. Um, can we give out the number here? The number is 646-746-4343. Okay, and, it's, and anybody can email us at aniladodihelpline at gmail.com. Okay, and it is totally anonymous. Completely, completely anonymous. Okay. Yocheved, thank you so much for this opportunity. It was wonderful. I'm so glad. So, another episode of the Judy and Mimi show. <laughs> I would love to have the Judy and Mimi show back anytime. Thank you both so much. <laughs> All right. Our pleasure. Thank you. Take care. So there you have it. I hope you enjoyed that conversation as much as I did. I will put the information in the notes. So if you want to find the website, the phone number, the email address for Anila Dodi Helpline, you will find it in the notes below this episode. Um, again, if you want to reach me, if you have any questions, please email me at a deeper conversation 120 at gmail.com. Also, if you're interested in sponsoring an episode, also email, same email address, a deeper conversation, one two zero at gmail.com. Follow me on Instagram at a deeper conversation where the only thing you will really see from me there is I will post when there's a new episode. Not a big Instagrammer, a little too old, but I try. I do try to just at least post when there's a new episode. And then um, of course, if you're interested in becoming a monthly sponsor, go to maverickpodcasting.com, click on the link to my page, and you'll be able to donate even a small donation a month. really does help to keep the podcast going. Thank you all again so much for listening, and I'll meet you back at the next episode.